Hey y'all, it's your boy Black Fluid Poet coming to you live from my humble abode of books during this pandemic paradise where no longer there is a quarantine, but shit still ain't cute. <laughs> How you doing? Are you loving yourself? I hope so. I personally have been struggling with this this line around me and my life and the things that are going on in society that have something to do with me and the things that don't. The things that I can do something about and the things I can't do anything about. And it's hard. Um, I think that I have been struggling with where do I fit in in the wrongs and the ills that are going on in society? You know, what what can I do to make things better? You know, I think about January 6th still to this day. And I think all of these issues coming up out of Texas between them trying to change adoption laws for the indigenous uh, the voting rights bill, and of course, of course, the new ban on abortions. It has been trying for me because you know it spreads, right? Like it's it's already happening in South Carolina. Um, these adoption laws against the indigenous are happening along the Midwest, and uh, <laughs> it's funny. I remember thanking my mother once because, you know, I had taken a really good look at my childhood and my life and, and I had a lot of resentments with my mom, but someone had pointed out to me, you know, she didn't need to keep you. She could have left your ass on a doorstep of a church at any time, put you in a garbage bag, like anything could have happened. But she kept you and she raised you as best she could. And, you know, there are days when... That's all I needed to hear. That's all I need to remind myself is that no, she isn't perfect, but she's my mother and she did what she could. Now, does that make us the best of friends? No, but it definitely adds some perspective on the things that I go through when I think about my childhood traumas and some of the trauma that she caused and some of the trauma I had to watch her endure, which was, I think, the worst of it. You know, watching my mother go through emotional pain was hard enough. But I digress. So I had this conversation with my mother one day, you know, and I was feeling pretty emotional and pretty vulnerable. And I said to my mom, you know, I never thanked you for keeping me. And, you know, my mother, the way she was, she said, John, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> And I said, no, mom, I'm serious. Like, you you could have did, done anything, you know, but you kept me and you raised me and I'm grateful. And my mother, with all of her pearls of street wisdom, said, John, I wouldn't thank me if I were you. And I said, why? And she said, Roe versus Wade didn't come out till 73. You were born in 70. Believe you me, I had enough children your father was unreliable. We were broke. We were living in the projects. John of Roe versus Wade came three years earlier. You wouldn't be here. <laughs> and that was my mother. 
And I laughed and I said, well, mom, thank you anyway. And she said, eh, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that woman. But, you know, again, that now when she says something like that to me, you would think that I'd be like, OK, I'm, I'm pro-life. But I'm not. I'm not. These are decisions that women have to make about their lives and their bodies. And I think that this ploy to control um, a woman's reproductive cycle and her rights, um, I think it's archaic and I think it just needs to stop. I, I really think we just need to cut the crap. Um, I don't know how far all of this will go. I don't think it'll go very far at all. Um, but it, it's a wake up call for people who aren't into politics. You know, one of my biggest red flags with friends or potential dating partners, romantic partners, even sexual partners, if I hear them utter the words, well, I don't talk about politics. I don't get into politics. Automatic cut, like write them off like taxes. They are out of my life. I don't fucks with you because to be aware of the decisions that are being made about your life is not only common sense, but it's intelligence. Like, don't you want to know what these people are deciding for you? You voted for them. Don't you want to know who's trying to give you more rights and who's trying to take more of your rights? Like, how do you not want to know that? How do, you, how do you just sit by and go, eh, I'm not worried about it. And you would think that it's mostly white people who say these things, but it's not. It's not. It's a lot of people of color who I believe, um, the, I believe that their ideas of getting into politics, just the idea alone is probably draining. It's probably exhausting for them. Um, and, and of course, because when you're coming into politics from a marginalized group, you got to come ready to fight, you know, white people, they, they get into politics. It's like, okay, where do I get more, you know, um, who, who's going to help me lower my taxes? Who's, who's gonna, you know, who's going to help maintain my liberation, but for a lot of people of color, in particularly black people, and especially the alphabet mafia, we're like, who's going to give me some rights? <laughs> who's going to help me get to equality? You know, who's going to help me get free? And so I believe that coming from two different marginalized groups myself, I believe that getting into politics is like putting on a military uniform. You know, it's like doing push-ups. It's like, you know, getting in that one-mile run every morning. It's, it's about preparing for the fight because there are so many people that don't want us to have rights. They don't want to include us in society. Hence all these new voting bills. You know, when black people showed up and showed out, and especially shout out to the indigenous of Arizona who saved us. Like, if it wasn't for the indigenous in Arizona, Arizona would be red, blood red. So, you know, 
these these new voting laws are definitely a ploy to go back to the way things used to be. And I think that they underestimate how hard we will fight to keep from returning to the past. And the pushback from mainly white supremacist conservatives, as we've seen on January 6th, is just as real and just as raw. Child, they seen police go to jail for killing black people for the first time ever. They are witnessing, uh, you know, trans youth getting some rights and liberation in the school system. They are seeing, you know, more gender fluid uh, male presenting people. And they don't like it. I can tell you right now, when I put my makeup on, on TikTok Live, I guarantee you within one hour, there will be at least 50 or 60 different white conservatives that will post something, that will comment something calling me a freak. Or what does the world come to? Or what's happening to our men? Yada, etc., etc. And it's, I don't let it bother me, but let me tell you something. It doesn't bother me because it's online. But when I'm walking down the street and I know I'm passing some white conservatives, I know what they're thinking because I've seen it in my lives. I've seen it in the comments. When I walk into particular establishments and I'm surrounded by potential conservatives and they give me those looks, I think back to January 6th and I know some of these people will gladly stick a flagpole through my chest with a Trump 2020 flag waving on the top of it or even a Trump 2024 flag waving on top of it. So I have to be aware of the politics. I have to know who's pulling for me. And I just, I can't be around people who don't get into politics, man. I just can't. <sighs> what else is crazy right now? We got the move variant, child. We up to the M's? Are we really up to the M's? Like, I thought we were done at Delta. Then we got to Gamma. Now we got the move variant, M-U variant of COVID. Like, for real? Like, we halfway through the alphabet? Are we really there? Are we really there? Oh. And, you know, some people are suspecting that it's resistant to... Whoo! Lord, it's resistant, it's resistant to our shots. It is resistant to the vaccine. Can we just, we are one of the most developed countries on the planet. And I believe we are struggling the most with covid because of American entitlement. Because we've had a reputation throughout history of doing what we want when we want to do it. Now that's mainly for white men, of course. Often for white wealthy people. However, it is the same nonetheless across the board. It's this reputation of we're number one, you know, this schoolyard bully mentality that the United States have had for centuries. And now as individuals, 
we seem to, some of us, you know, this hubris, this arrogance that we have, some of us believe we're untouchable. And we are dying. Like 16 school teachers have died in the Florida school system since they've opened from COVID. I mean, that's a lot, man, you know? And I sit here in my house some days and I look at all these books and I know so many of these books have so many of the answers, but nobody wants to read them, man. Like very few people want to read them. Very few people are interested. You know, people still have this American dream of like my house, my white picket fence, my wife or my husband and my kids. And that's all I care about, my taxes. And because they have this individualistic view of the world, of just themselves, their nuclear family, and the world at large. That's what's killing us. This lack of community. And I don't, there's no way to really relay that message to somebody. You, you just can't. So I'm watching good people, conservative people, but good people who don't know anything about race, who don't understand gender systems and structures, who don't understand sexualities, who've grown up, you know, in the middle of Ironton, Ohio, or, you know, Magnolia, Arkansas, and they ain't, they ain't out here in the big city. There's no university within 100 miles of them, and, and they're just living their best life. And they hear about this COVID thing and they hear, you know, Fox News or Trump or whoever it was telling them the shit was a hoax. And they're home. They're, work, they're working hard. They're raising their kids. They're home every night. <clears throat> you know, they're honest. They have integrity. They have sincerity. They care about their neighbors. They ain't concerned about racial systems and racial structures. Yeah, their neighbor's black. But if he needed a loaf of bread, they'd get it for him. And they're dying. They're dying because they can't see the forest through the trees. They don't understand that a lot of these politicians ain't out here trying to help us. They out there trying to help themselves. And they'll say anything they have to to get paid. And so all of this weight sits on my chest. And I had a friend of mine last night call me an activist. And child, I almost busted out laughing. I know I giggled. I, I believe I snickered when, when she said it. I was like, I don't feel like an activist. You know, I ain't, I ain't changing a whole bunch of lives. I ain't swaying the jury in any way out here. You know, because if it was up to me, like, everybody would be vaccinated. Like, everybody would see the forest through the trees. They would be able to understand, you know, the rope-a-dope that they're getting from a lot of these GOP politicians. And I can't make them understand, you know. Um, I always thought that I could teach anyone anything, but the problem with that is only when the student wants to learn will the teacher truly appear. I can't graft a new idea onto a closed mind. And that's, I think, the toughest job out here right now, in this day, in this, you know, uh, meta-modernism that we're going through, meta-modernity, if you will, that we are going through, where people are seeking the truth 
And there are so many people in power who will lie to your face and tell you these are the facts. That people who don't aren't well-read, that don't regularly attend the library, that aren't picking up Times Magazine or the New York Times or, you know... They don't, they don't have their, you know, they're not glued to NPR. They just have trust, a blind faith in politicians and pastors and priests and police, you know, and, and they've been taught, you know, I remember, you know, I'm 51. I remember being taught at a very young age, you know, the police are here to help you, you know, there's no reason why a pastor would lie to you. You know, the president wants good for everybody, wants the best things for the country. Those are the things I learned growing up, whether in class or from some family relatives. And I had a hard time with cynicism. You know, when, you, when you're around a lot of black adults when you're a child, you'll hear the cynicism. People talk about the president. Oh, man, that motherfucker, you know. Or they talk about the pastor and women. Mm-hmm, I heard them. And, and I didn't know that there was, uh, that there were variables, moving pieces, where I didn't understand that a priest isn't always honest. I didn't understand that a pastor didn't always tell the truth. I didn't understand that the church was really, really interested in money. I didn't get that a politician will say whatever whoever pays him more to say. And now at, at, I think I, I understand what happens. You know, when you're in your 20s, you still have this, this vigor, you know, for, for fighting the good fight, you know. And at 51, I'm at this age where I'm tired, you know, I'm tired. I... I, I don't know who to believe. And even if I did find someone to believe in, I know I can't believe them all the time. And it's so draining. And sometimes I just wave my hands in the air and, and want to just shut the world out because I just want to be a kid again. I just want to have somebody take care of me and be reliable and love me and create a safe environment for me and you know that's that's no longer what happens you know that's no longer what happens and I think that's it I, I wouldn't doubt that coming to these conclusions in midlife is what speeds up the aging process you know when all of these realities hit you know whatever happens to the spirit and to the to the mind it starts to happen to the body you know stress affects us and there's that losing hope that must take a toll on the body. You know what I mean? And that's what I'm going through. I am at a place where I'm feeling more hopeless than I ever have. I, I just, I, I sometimes I feel like if one more unarmed black person dies in these streets at the hands of a police officer... Or if I find out about any more indigenous bodies in unmarked graves on Catholic properties, be it the United States or Canada, it's all Turtle Island, it's all the same place. If, if I hear 
about one more Christian-centered white cishet dude. Child, this this man. There are videos roaming around on TikTok about a man who walked up on a beach. He walked up on three young women. I believe it was three. Telling them that the bathing suits they had on are pornographic and they needed to wear something else. And then there's this video of this middle-aged white woman, 55 years old. Her first name was Janine from Arizona who is making fun of people in masks and pretending to cough on them and like pushing herself to cough on these people. And I got to tell y'all, like, I am a nonviolent person. But I can't help but wonder what I would have done in those situations. Then you got these, these three men that walked into a school with zip ties threatening to arrest the principal? Like... I, I don't know what is happening to... I don't know if anything has really happened to white people. I just think, like Will Smith said, it's just getting filmed more. I'm just beside myself with the caucasity of it all. You know what I mean? And I don't think that... I think that that, that American entitlement that we talked about, you know, a part of that white supremacy, a part of that capitalist mindset... I don't think that people who are caught up in those ideologies understand that they can and will get punched in the throat, even by somebody as peaceful as me. Like, you could catch these hands quick. And as volatile and as unpredictable as the world has been in the last two years, people have really got to find their inner shut the fuck upness. I don't, I don't know where they have to find it from. I don't know what they have to do. But I do remember at some point in the 70s, there was a belief of mind your business. Of Does that have anything to do with you? Go sit down. Go sit down. Go somewhere. And it's almost as if everything that everyone does is offending someone and that offended person is speaking out. And you know what, y'all? Here's the epiphany I'm having right now. This is how a community creates itself. I think we're finally at a place where everyone is seeing what everyone else is doing and we're all speaking out. And a lot of it, sometimes we don't hear the opposing side and it's whatever, but we're getting there. But, you know, I remember somebody telling me in my first detox, you know, this is going to get worse before it gets better. And then after it gets worse, it's going to get crazy. And I think that's what's happening. I think that there's a lot of subculture tantrums going on. I think that, you know, in politics, it's really rearing its ugly head. And we're starting to see that, you know, the pushback. But every time there's pushback, we still go further left you know, there's usually a hard right pushback, but we end up, you know, we end up moving left. It's happened religiously since the 50s. We keep moving more and more left. Um, we do need to bring our unions back. We do need to check Amazon. There's, there's a lot of political activism that needs to be happening. 
So if you're one of those people that doesn't talk politics, start talking. Start reading, start listening, start paying attention, or get left the fuck behind. You know, between, you know, big IT and automation coming out, a lot of blue-collar workers are going to be out of work. And if we don't check these religious leaders and their ties into politics, we're going to have more problems. If we don't start thinking about people who don't look like us and what they're going through and how best to help them, we are really, really going to lose this entire nation. We have to start considering the people that don't look like us, who don't come from our bloodline, who don't live in our house, who don't live on our block. We have to start thinking about other people. Now, does that mean that, you know, me coming from a queer community and, you know, me coming from the black community, does this mean that I have to start going around and asking white people how they feel today? No. But I do need to start thinking about the indigenous I do need to start thinking about the poor white people who are struggling in trailer parks across this country, who are living in, you know, rundown shacks, who, you know, aren't throwing the Bible in people's faces, but they're, they're wondering how they're going to make their rent. They're wondering how they're going to get their kids to a dentist. They're wondering how they're going to get their wife to the OBGYN. There's a lot of people struggling out here. So many. And I'm tired of being distracted. You know, if you get on social media and you get any sort of level of popularity, you know, um, I have a lot of followers. I don't have the most followers. There are people out there with seven, eight million followers. I have, you know, less than 400,000 followers. But that's still a lot of people, man. We're talking, you know, five football stadiums. That's a lot of fucking people. And I want them to love themselves. I think that's so important. I think a lot of us come out of trauma. I think poverty is trauma. I think there's a lot of trauma in middle class struggle. When you have to pick between, you know, paying the car insurance or paying for your kid's college tuition. They're struggling out here, man. And I think we need to look out for each other and stand up for each other. I think that men really need, self-identified men really need to start thinking about what women need out of politics, man. Really, we need to start thinking about that. I think, you know, if you are heterosexual and you've had that privilege your whole life where nobody judges you for who you're fucking, I think you need to start thinking about people who don't make those same choices you've made, who don't have those same attractions you have, and make space for them, man. We need to start saying hi to the person behind the counter at that 7-Eleven. You know, we need to remember the names of the cashiers before they're all gone from out from automation. You know, we need to start remembering the names of the kids that our kids play with and their parents' names. We need to start thinking about how to make this place better for everybody. Because if there's one thing I know, when a man comes home from prison and he's got nowhere to go, he's going right back to the street. 
and his next victim could be you. So we want to think about how are we changing the carceral system? Not because, you know, a rapist didn't deserve the 12 years he got in prison if he ever got that much, but I digress. But because I don't want that person, that misogynist, that predator to come out and go back to their old behaviors. That's why I speak out about it. That's why I share stories about my own past. Because I don't want other men to make those mistakes. Oh, I'm on a rant tonight, y'all. I need to slow down. You know, this is the stuff that goes through my head. I mean, 10 minutes after waking up and just before I fall asleep, this is the stuff that goes on in my mind. And there are some days that I want to use. There are some days that I want to drink. I'm just fucking tired. But we're in this together. And some people need me. Not a lot of people, but some people. And I need some of y'all. Hell, I need a lot of (laughs) y'all. But at the end of the day, as James Baldwin said, I can't be a pessimist because I'm alive. I can't be a pessimist because I am alive. Y'all have a good night. Remember to love yourself. You're worth it.